Hello everybody, my name is Jeremy Franchese and welcome to First Floor Conversations where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. Today, HR professional Indiana Ahn stops by to discuss what's right and wrong with modern day HR, addressing pay inequality, and much more. What's going on, everybody? Just to provide some context, uh, and then we'll dive right into the interview. Um, I've known Indiana for a, a number of years now, you know, back to college, and I was really looking forward to bringing her on the podcast and just having a conversation. Her experience in HR in, in some bigger companies through local government and really everything in between has provided a really unique perspective in how she approaches modern day HR. And she was actually up in the DC metro area at a, at a SHRM conference, actually, you know, different skills set, uh, training, developing, and, um, you know, she's had roles in everything from benefits to, you know, the interview process and hiring actively, um, and, and, and compensation and analysis, everything in between. And so I think she brings a really unique perspective. And so whether you're an HR operational executive or employee, or you're on the other side trying to figure out how to hack and crack the big interview questions, I think you'll get a lot out of this as we dive into things like the interview process onboarding process, how to how to get the right salary, what to expect, how you as a company should price things, and, and how do you navigate this challenging world of pay inequality, uh, and a lot of other different pieces, as well as just what should a company ex- expect from their HR department, and what should non-HR employees go to HR for, and what's some misconceptions. And so um, I hope you really enjoy episode 21. I I had a lot of fun with it, and um, I certainly think you'll enjoy yourself as well. Cool. And we are live. We talk a lot, and I talk a lot on on first floor conversations around like a quality foundation and, and both from a workforce perspective and HR and employees, as well as just like universal like you should be doing things in a way that's constructive um, and congruent with like what you're trying to build and there's been a really massive shift going on the last like five or ten years in hr and like i know like there's certain leaders like i took note of like jack welsh and things like that that started really pioneering the shift from like quote-unquote human resources and being like very like okay take care of like the the parties and like the birthdays and the anniversaries and shifting it to really like developing people and being a catalyst for change in the organization and I've been looking forward to connecting with with you for so long because this is exactly like guys like this is exactly what she does in, in the organization. She's done anything from the benefits side to the compensation analysis to finding ways to develop people. And it's like it's a it's it's exciting because there are certain people that are diving into this, um, and there's certain people that think it's not happening, and they think they can get away with keeping it status quo. Um, and so you've, you've remind me, so you've worked, uh, with like public companies, private companies and local government, obviously. So I've worked, um, I started with, um, obviously where most people start in an internship capacity, uh, with a pretty large construction company. Um, and so that was a bit of the private sector. Um, and then, uh, transitioned into, uh, hospitality, uh, which is where I, uh, that's what I majored in. So I was in that HR capacity there for a little while. Um, and then ultimately I got to where I'm very happy to be now in local government, municipality, HR office, which is awesome. I was so curious because when you look at like HR, some programs have it, like you can probably like major or like get a bachelor's in, in human resources or like employee, I don't know, something. 
But I, it made perfect sense that you did hospitality. Like you, you, you have a nature about you like that is very much so like taking care of people. Not because it's like the job, it's like it's the right thing to do. And I feel like with HR and human resources or whatever we wanna call it nowadays, like the best people in organizations do it because they genuinely realize that that's not a job, it's a person. Mm-hmm. Or like they're not a candidate, they're a person looking for their next career. And when you can look at that difference, and I feel like hospitality, that's exactly what it trains you to do. How, like, did you always know that HR was the path? Like, or did you originally want to go into hotels and like things like that? Yeah, so um, I never thought that I would be necessarily working in a hotel in any other capacity other than the HR office. Okay. Um, so when I started interning, I was, I think I was around 19, um, and I just, decided that okay well this is what I know now so this is what I'm going to keep learning about and this is what I'm going to enjoy because I know about it um so from there I just kind of took it with this mentality of um okay I'm going to declare my major as hospitality management or I guess technically it's tourism and events management with a concentration in hospitality but your concentration dictates all the classes you take um so I figured okay well hotels are everywhere hotels have an HR office if they don't their corporate office does um, so there's usually a bit more um, attention paid to that individual who has something that's more in line with a business mindset degree because they at that time were not necessarily looking at well how can we develop our people we're looking at we want somebody who has that business mindset in our office who can translate that information between the employees and us right is that kind of how you see HR as the bridge between the finances quote-unquote and the people hmm Yes, in a certain capacity. Yeah. I think it, I think it is. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily limited. That I guess I'd ask for clarification on what. Well, I'm, I'm always. I think it's like you know whether it's public or private or um, like local government. Like HR has a certain brand right mm-hmm. now, and depending on who you ask, you'll get a totally different answer. Right. And so, from your vantage point, like, what's like the the, the stigma brand of HR? And, like, what is the true brand of I HR see, that's I emerging, see. I guess, is the better yeah, question. Um, so, definitely HR is, you know, I'm going to give you the stuff. You're going to process my paperwork. You're here to hire my people. And that's basically it. I don't want to be involved in in getting to know your, your process. I just want you to get what I want done. Um, and then if I do something wrong, fix it. Um, cover up things. Um, but that's not everywhere. Um which is great, but then there's also the side of what we're trying to kind of get across as HR professionals and people who are trying to work on establishing that relationship with folks and being more of a partner with these managers or or with um, the higher ups in different organizations of um, cultivating that culture of, um, I don't know how to say it, but it's that relationship, like you said, between the employee and management or or finance and the different departments and how they work together. getting people from point A to point B. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're the chauffeur for a career. Yeah. And when you look at, like, demographics and turnover, I mean, like, just statistically, younger demographics have greater turnover. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a significant shift in, like, okay, how do we cater to them, even if it's to buy one extra year on their tenure? Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't get, you know, a year and a half, but we get two and a half years from mm-hmm. them. And so with HR, a lot of it is how do we help them maximize their time here yes how do we maximize them being here Mm -hmm. like for for what we need to get done and so 
I'm curious to so like when you, you obviously hospitality you you spend several years in, in a variety of different roles um, what's the right brand of HR like when we look at like like what like if you were the director of HR and you're like this is what we should be doing here and you were able to direct resources mm-hmm. what would what would that like HR mission statement kind of look like mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know about mission statement specifically but um, the focus on employee development um, just because that interacts with everything else. So it influences your retention, it influences your recruitment, it influences your, um, people like to throw around return on investment, so <laughs> it, it your human capital return on investment. Right. <laughs> so um, you, it touches on all those items if you can take care of those, those types of things. Uh, I don't know how to put it into more cohesive words. No, it's spot on, it, it, it's the glue. You have to, you have to connect the dots and, um, one thing we were talking about before we went live, which I'm always so curious about, is um, like the succession planning. Like, obviously, there's a transition phase of like baby boomers starting to retire from the workforce, and and in so many systems, like if you have a CEO that transitions, there's a natural phase of succession planning. We're like, okay, the new leader's going to come in. This is what we need to do to prepare that role to be transitioned. HR doesn't really work that way. <laughs> At least, I, you know, I don't know if, yeah. like, your thoughts. I, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's very, like, okay, so-and-so's retiring. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of snapshot where you are right now and who can fill that gap in the immediate need, not so much long-term, which hopefully um, people are realizing that needs to be shifted away and, you know, do out with that and start really cultivating those, um, those people and growing them. Um, the people who, uh, within your department or organization, who like, you can identify as being like having potential, or they might not be in leadership, but across the span of the organization, seeing how they can take on certain things and kind of enrich what they do and, and learn uh, more to help support ultimately that person that would eventually be leaving, and then maybe not take it over, but at least have a shot to. When it comes to, like, is there any formal training for HR outside of, like, before entering HR, is there training? Um, there's, I mean, formalized education, but other than that, like, I did, I clearly, we just went over it, I didn't major in HR, right. but um, everything that I learned um, really was just from experience and having somebody to really sit down with you and teach you um, and invest that time in you to help you develop in that capacity. Would you say it's mentor-driven? Absolutely. When you see things like evolving and, and like how, so I guess like when you look at interviews, like how do, how do you know, I'll, I'll, meet, I'll, I'll even say I, I work with a lot of companies and like they'll, they'll, they'll look at somebody in a current role and say, well, we can transition them to HR. They're doing these functions, mm-hmm. but it's not really, they're not looking at HR. Like you wouldn't casually roll an employee into a cybersecurity role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think sometimes we like default into saying, well, they can handle payroll and administrative functions and some of those nuances to the role but you clearly have, have seen more of the strategic side and like what it can do mm-hmm. how do you know if somebody is is qualified to do it or the right person mm-hmm. like are there things that you've noticed that maybe are, are signs that they are or maybe aren't a good fit so if possible <laughs> i mean the only really the only way to really i guess do that would be how can you um how do you say 
how can you measure those skills? Like, how have they demonstrated that? Are they coming in, I guess I should ask first, are they coming in completely green, or though you said they've been with been with the organization? Yeah, I mean, it, it, whether they've been with them or, you know, it's more just, mm-hmm. um, you've, been, you've, you've been involved in interviews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, because you're trying to judge EQ, you're trying to judge resumes, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out if it's a good fit for both of you. Mm-hmm. HR is hard because there's no hard criteria. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this feels kind of like silly for me to say just because I feel like it's not touching at the root of the question, but behavioral-based interview questions are the way that we would assess that information. So asking them how they've in the past demonstrated, which I'm fairly certain uh, most people are aware of this technique. But Talk, Kind of open it up there. So for a lot of people that probably haven't, oh. just like like let's, let's, let's assume not, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of this stuff, but I'm not the most technically sound person. <laughs> when, when you say behavioral, what do you mean by that? So past behavior influence, or may give you an indication of how they would handle a certain situation uh, in the future or in the current. So giving them, um, asking them to explain how in the past they've done X, Y, Z, and it it doesn't necessarily need to be black and white and very direct. There are sneaky ways to ask questions, um, for lack of a better word. But um, if you wanted to ask someone about their you know, time management skills, but you don't want to say, how do you manage your time? (laughs) You know, like, how do you, when you have competing deadlines, like, what is, how do you prioritize? Um, You would ask, you know, how, during XYZ season for that organization that they're applying for, um, explaining what that season is like first, giving them kind of a quick snapshot overview of what it looks like for them. Um, That way they know why you're asking the question. Uh, and then going in and asking uh, examples of in the past, how have they coordinated either that workload or, or prioritized? Um, and, and to give an example, like lay that out for them. Um, that's awesome. Though. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. There are, there are better ones, but what's the one that comes are there? To mind? And I don't know if this is something you spent. I know you spent like time on compensation and like mm-hmm. a lot of different components to it. But there's behavioral. What other? Theories or types of, of interview processes. Those are the only ones that I that I really um, well, in terms of interview questions, we we pretty much mainly go off of behavioral based interview questions. Obviously, knowledge based because right. um, we want to make sure that they know what they're doing. Yeah, we don't want to hire like hire an HVAC guy and and not have them um, understand. Tec- you know? sound right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so they know what a you know what HVAC is. But, um, and then... I think part of where, where I'm going is having the right person in HR can be incredible. Mm-hmm. Having the wrong person in HR can be devastating to a company. Absolutely. And so oftentimes it's easy to isolate a salesperson and be like, oh, you know, Nancy is the best sales performer in the company or Todd is the best in the company. There's like metrics to support it. There's metrics to support it. And quite the opposite, we can see on a sales board Jeremy's not performing, you know, Andy's not selling. In HR, there's no metrics for performance that are quantitative. And so it's hard. And, and so like I even touched on like one of the things that a lot of people have asked for is uh, to interview like a recruiter. But I think when people are looking at jobs and trying to figure out what to do, like prepare yourself to answer behavioral questions. Right. Looking at the core competencies of the job that you're interviewing for and understanding what problems am I gonna have to mm-hmm. solve and have a story ready to 
100%. I think Marriott, it might be, has a star system, and I can't for the life of me remember what that acronym stands for, but it basically takes you through that same um, mentality of you, you, you right. they ask, it's like situational, I mean, you can probably look it up. But, yeah, no, um, I, I, I actually think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and that is one of the best, uh, I think, the best things that interviewees can do to prepare themselves for the interview. And that's why I did over and over again. <laughs> with this specific method, with STAR? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they actually taught that in hospitality because it was under a hotel, like it was the hotel group that... Yeah. So the STAR okay. method, it's situation, task, action, result. Mm-hmm. State the situation you were in, what the responsibilities you were given, state the action and the result of that. Yes, and that's the best advice I think anybody could ever take. You know, if I was sitting in on an interview panel, those are the types of things that I'm looking for folks to touch on. Why, why does it resonate though? Um, because they're giving more than just a blanket answer. They're going deeper into sharing... Um, you know their their experience and it just takes you it's a it rounds out the story that's long story short it, it gives you some depth of it yes. so if i give you this problem this is where we can go with it right yeah shows it, how they can think moving forward and not just in the current situation right one of the things we talk and i think that ties nicely into like developing people and mm-hmm. employee development i know we've talked about it like there's some some organizations that kind of like bat, out with the bathwater kind of thing like mm-hmm. it's you know like annual check the box and there's some groups that are 360 reviews and it's like, or like they get it and it's really, they have a pulse on consistent touch points with their employees. Um, giving feedback and like coaching people similarly to like a star method and like there's techniques and um, how have you seen that that evolve? Because you work in a, like you've worked collectively in like varieties of like cultures, demographics, mm-hmm. public, mm-hmm. private, government, boomers, millennials, older, like, how, how have you seen the, the employee development and giving feedback evolve a little bit? Um, so, I think when I was first introduced to this crazy world that is human resources, um, <laughs> it was a lot of realizing that managers and supervisors, leaders, they don't want to have tough conversations with folks. And it doesn't necessarily need to be tough. And I think it comes down to, one, they're not trained on it. And two, they're not comfortable with it. And that's why they chose to, to be in xyz capacity instead of um in hr <laughs> but um for feedback they don't have tough conversations yeah they just they don't want to and um they're learning now more so at least where i am and i can see uh, externally a lot of other folks um in my life have kind of shared experiences with me where they they have really great uh, supervisors and leadership who genuinely care about the development of their employees. Um, obviously, you have some that don't, but um, I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. What was the rest of your question? No, it's all good. We'll, 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 we'll go off on a bunch of rants while we're talking. No, it, it's, it's employee development. Mm-hmm. Like, like when people aren't trained to do it, maybe they're not in the right, like, like for example, I, I think it's a good specific. Let's say like somebody gives you a great answer, you hire them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have the same workload or like they're, you, you touched on it at one point um, when you were handling benefits mm-hmm. for like hundreds of employees, right? Yeah. And you'd have, you'd walk in every day with a laundry list of tasks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure at some point in the interview, they were like, how did you manage prioritizing mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z? Because they knew probably, well, hopefully, if not, you know, <laughs> they'll have to fix that. Um, but for you, like how, how do you go about prioritizing when there's a lot of things on your to-do list? Yeah. Um, so something that I did take away from when I worked at that specific employer, um, 
I had based I just had a breakdown an HR breakdown their annual um, <laughs> in the in one of the GM's offices and she told me uh, she basically she just closed the door and she she was great she really prioritized her people um, understanding that they're really the fundamental of what keeps the organization going right. um, and she just sat there and, and really calmed me down <laughs> and then you know said she gave me her advice, you know, what she does. And so that's what I've taken with me um, in writing out the three absolute things that need to get done that day. Um, sometimes it might be five things, and it might be a little bit more, but the th- absolute minimum or minimum three things that need to get done where the world won't explode the next day. Um, so that's what I do every morning. <laughs> it okay. sounds corny, but I do. Uh, I actually, in my planner, I have three weekly, and then I have three daily. Um, and by the end of it, the week, everything has, has kind of sorted itself out usually. There's always stuff left over because that's um, how it works. It's job security, I guess. But, you know, the job never ends. Right. Um, but in terms of day-to-day, it's really um, it's really just mapping it out for me. Um, obviously, some things are a little bit more weighted than others in the HR world. So if you're dealing with, you know... Um, something in regards to somebody's benefits and they have to be at the doctor that morning you, you want to sort that out as soon as possible um, or if you're dealing with salary negotiation and you want to make sure that you get this person because um, they are a great fit for the organization they're going to bring a lot to the table um, and we've worked really hard to um, you know get to where we are we want to make sure that that wraps up quickly and we can resume the conversation and bring them on board um, and then you may have lesser items like Lesser but still important items, um, like just right. Everything is merit. Yeah. So, so just so I'm hearing that right, I, that that was an awesome, like small but simple takeaway. Like you go in every morning, you look at all of the things you have to do, and you isolate the two that you have to get done that day. And if you don't get to the rest, you have to get to them maybe the next day. But the top three most pressing items, yeah. and that way you can accomplish those. And like you said, the job's never over, but you need to be able to go home and. Mm-hmm. leave work and not feel like you never finish anything right and it's a great way for me personally because we do um, we're quite project driven in our office in the way that we each uh, in each of our special areas right. so if I'm working on a particular project I could have five projects that I'm working on but never finish any of them if I don't write down my three tasks for the morning um, of what I need to do throughout that day and that's for me just my check with myself um, sometimes I get way more done and sometimes I get two instead of three right but that's so interesting, though. I think a lot of people experience that. Yeah. They come in and they get they get ten percent of, of fifteen tasks done, and so they leave work feeling unfulfilled, unaccomplished, behind, stressed. Yeah. And so, did you always do this? Um, not until I had that breakdown <laughs> in the GM's office. So, so was was it uh, that me- that that boss, that mentor, that she provided mm-hmm. that tip? Yes. Yes. So that's interesting. Breakdown and coaching moment. Yep. So folks, I think oftentimes um, they feel a need by hiring a person into an organization, whether it be HR or otherwise, but they don't often understand um, what that brings them into, or they don't, they, they might care, but they also might not care, um, that you have to teach folks how right. to manage certain things. Um and like soft skills. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they're, you know, green, brand new. Right. Um, but I think I think you touch on a good point, though. It's it's like 
it's easy to look at somebody and that has, let's say, that this is a very simple example, but like if you use Excel a lot and you're doing a lot of things on spreadsheets, then like making sure that employee is competent in Excel is one thing. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like that's yeah. a that's a core because that that inhibits them from like a, a, a this is like an obvious standpoint they can't do the job. Mm-hmm. But something like this is an approach. Mm-hmm. That is in how I see it, and I think from like what we talk about, you'll probably see the same thing. That's where the employee development is. Yeah. That's where like HR can bring value. Yeah. That's where leadership and like training leaders. So like that leader in particular, like, did you have a good relationship with that boss? I did. It was great. Was it? A, is that a surprise? No. Because <laughs> she let like she let you be human. Yeah. You have most employees are most of them are human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you're gonna have human emotions and mm-hmm. human reactions, and so I find that super interesting and. When you, so it's, I'm curious, I want to dive a little bit into benefits. Mm-hmm. Benefits in, in a lot of HR organizations, because it's most, I mean, if you haven't been trained on it, they're complicated. Yeah. It's stressful, it's detail oriented, it's really expensive. So you feel like there's a lot on the line, because mm-hmm. there kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first uh, uh, like thought when you got involved in benefits? Because was that something you expected? Was that like, a, here's part of your role? I think that that is what made me fall in love with the numbers side of everything um, and less so um, all the other areas. That was at the time uh, when I first started it and I, and I started um, handling that and you know balancing all that, that claims information and kind of reconciling the information we were getting from um, you know, the medical provider at that point in time. That was... Um, You've had a long day. Yeah. So. You're, in, you're in sessions getting mm-hmm. skilled up by Sherm. Edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, the, um, no, you're good. I, I'm, 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 I'm right there with you. The, um, the healthcare piece is just, it's, it's something that like in most companies, it's getting more and more and more popular and like, not just popular, but it's like, it's clearly a necessity. Mm-hmm. Most companies, if you don't offer great healthcare, the chance of you getting great employees is a shot long gone. Mm-hmm. And so managing that can be really stressful. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, was that something like a boss taught you how to figure out? Like, I feel like like in, in people listening to this and like HR professionals that may be dealing with benefits, mm-hmm. it's a lot to take on. And oftentimes they're not trained. Mm-hmm. It's something you figure out. Yeah, so it's a lot of communicating kind of with the, you usually have contact um, at, you know, with whatever provider it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they oftentimes were able to kind of guide me and through and teach me um, how they handle things and when they send certain things this is what we have to do with it and um you know if you if there is somebody in line that can teach you how to do those things that's great um but a lot of the times it is pretty hands-on you just go in and you 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 stick your hands in the mud and you just hope for the best um you know understanding that you're balancing very sensitive information and you have to treat it accordingly um absolutely but yeah so it's I'm very thankful for the contacts that. So you rely a lot on the carriers yeah, and the brokers, and yeah, and they give you the the background of everything too. So you're partnering with them in a sense. So they're gonna give you the information you need to you know to provide to your folks. Um, obviously, you have to take it and and make it key to your organization. But right. um, yeah, they're very helpful in terms of helping you understand what you're looking at. I like that you've said partner a couple times. Oh, 
Has it been a couple times? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I see that in a good way because be like we work with or we work for, or we do this. It's mm-hmm. like, like, I think that says a lot to why you do well because you treat every engagement like a partnership. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a collaboration and it's um, understanding that we're not just saying yes or no to something. Um, we want what's best for you. So we want to partner with these people who also, they want to do business, yeah, but half the time I think anybody gets into any role for the most part is because they want, they care about what they do and they care about the people that it involves, right. so whether it be HR or otherwise. What do non-HR people and companies not understand about HR? My immediate is that we're not HR 100% of the time, but that's not the answer I'm trying to pull out of my brain. Um, <laughs> you mean like they think of you as like the utility player of the company? Yeah. Like they just think you're just buzzing around doing all the random stuff nobody wants right. to do? Right, yeah, basically like, hey, we're out of coffee. <laughs> um, or, you know, go order more office supplies. But that's not um, that's not what it's like everywhere. That's, that's what it's like at some of the places I've been. But, um, you know, where I am now, it's... Uh, it's not like that, but definitely when like you can't, it's hard to see work people outside of work because um, you're constantly HR. If you even want to go to a training as an HR person and you want to um, say EAP comes into your, you know, the HR office invites EAP to come hold a training on you know how to work with other people, right. um, very plainly put, right. um, how to value right. others' opinions, you know, or, or take that as it is. Right. Um, and you have an HR person representative that goes there. And then the entire time, they're being asked questions about current changes that are happening. Um, their com- employees will come to the HR person during that training and, and complain about you know, whatever may be going on at that point in time, whether it be the health plan changes or, um, or if it's... Uh, you know, they don't like the way the training is run or something like that. It's never, um, I'm here to learn as well because I want to learn how to take the information you're trying to give me right now and, right. and push that out. So they're just using HR as the sounding board of the company? Yes. Yeah, a lot of the times. Or just coming and inventing that kind of thing. You know, like, we, we want to hear you and we want to... Um, but you care. Yeah, we do. So much. So much. But... Um, so when companies are, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the, like, especially like the, the HR professionals will work with it and like, mm-hmm. especially if they listen, like, how do you handle that? How, like, it, cause that must take away time from tasks you have to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You can't always have a revolving door in your office of right. listening to every possible complaint. So how do you, how do you handle that? Like how should it, how should, how do you, how, how should an HR professional balance that so they can prove that they're listening? Mm-hmm. You definitely, yeah, you definitely want folks to feel heard. And this is me bouncing from past experience, not current. Um, but really setting some, uh, again, just with the priorities list, um, those constraints of like, okay, I'm going to maybe um, close my door for 20 minutes and, and work on these things. But it's like setting a meeting with yourself. Yeah, you're, sometimes it's just what you have to do. But there's also other ways to make sure that folks feel um, valued and, and listened and heard. Because when people are heard, that's when the engagement happens. Um, so you don't want to turn people away as they're, as they're coming in and they have these valid complaints. I mean, feelings are valid because we have them. That's all it takes. It doesn't take anything to, um, you know, it doesn't mean that something was 
intended a certain way, um, but if someone's perceiving it, it's valid to them. Um, so there's always somebody where I am now who's going to listen to what's happening, and they're going to document it, and they're going to, you know, bring it. If it's not already headed up to the superiors, it's going to be documented and then brought up with them and seeing how they are willing to proceed, whether that be with an investigation or it just be another conversation with that employee one-on-one to be like, hey, I hear you, <laughs> you know, um, you know, here's my suggestions if they haven't tried to handle it on their own yet, or here's, um, you know, the policy says this, there's just, there's always a response. It's never a turn away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What can you, when you look at regular, I'll say regular, non-HR employees, mm-hmm. What can they expect from HR? Non-HR employees? What can they expect? Yeah, like you look at an IT professional, you kind of know what they're doing. You know what a salesperson's doing. You know what a, a, a you know a finance person's doing. Mm-hmm. You know what somebody in accounting is doing. Mm-hmm. Somebody that maybe isn't as plugged in and they think it, that HR is just you know office supplies, birthday parties, and anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to know that they're like to think and, and come to us with their, uh, when they have a question. They don't have to try and solve it on their own. They can come to us, and we can help them. There's, that's what we're here for. We're human resources. Right. <laughs> we are a human resource for you humans. Yeah. Um, so, love it. If it's you know anything, anything that we handle, so recruitment or um, you know benefits, like we've said so many times, um, training, development. If they're worried, if they, for perfect example, if they have somebody that you know. They notice something is going on and, and they, they notice it's a theme throughout their department, whether it be, a, you know, not understanding something or rumor control, um, you know, and is that a training need? Do we need to investigate that further? Okay, tell us so that you're not holding on to it and thinking like, oh, I have to do something about this, but not knowing quite what to do. That's what we're there for. So we want to work with you. We're not, you know, yeses and nos and paperwork and paper clips. We're there to... Um, for the, I guess, millionth time now, partner with that individual, um, whether it be a leadership team member or supervisor, and figuring out how we can um, help them in their department. Right. You're trying to maximize the, every right. department from a human perspective. Right, absolutely. If they need to be trained more, you can go to a, a human resource and say, mm-hmm. hey, we need to develop our soft skills. Right. Or we have, uh, one of the conversations I'm frequently having, I feel like, is, we have a lot of young, talented employees, mm-hmm. but they're not ready for management. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of millennials that are incredible at software development or IT consulting, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they're ready to manage and, and develop a team of five other consultants. Yeah, and that's tricky. And so is that, is that would that be an example? They go to HR and say, I think we need to, we need to figure out a way to, how do, what do we do here? We have Definitely. a lot. Definitely. So um, as you touched on earlier with the session planning, an example of a, of a great time to recognize that it, it might be an impending need. Right. <laughs> um, so with that, you just we would take it, um, and the you know training and development. We would look at that as an opportunity for developing well, training to develop yeah. that. Whether it be a program like mentorship opportunities, um, there's so many things that we that I would like to see happen, whether it be um, in our organization or otherwise, that are super helpful and exciting, like mentorships, which we talk about offline. Um, Which is critical. Yeah, um, training opportunities, so from start to finish, so evaluation of, you know, so they say they have a need, so how do we 
verify that the need is actually there. And that's it's a long process from start to finish, um, but the end result is heightened engagement for sure. So is that the metric typically? You you first, I'm sure a lot of people are like, we brought this to HR, it's been three months and mm-hmm. nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. Is that typically what's happening in that three months? You're assessing like, yeah. how do you know it's the need and that way you can measure when you act on it? Yes, um, I ideally huh. in a perfect world, um, there would be periodic, you know, checkups with folks to let them know like, hey, this is, we're looking at this. Um, usually if the executive leadership team meets or something like that, that would be a great opportunity for the HR director to share with them like, hey, we're still working on this. So if anybody's asking you about it, if your folks are wondering, um, you know, there's a list of things that we need to take care of first, but rest assured it's it's going to be here one day. Um, you know, obviously we want things to happen quickly, but some things it's better to wait and have it done well than have it done speedy. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's a that's an interesting it's an interesting thing I've at least noticed and like HR moves slow in our organization or something. And it's I don't I find that they're moving the same speed. They're not communicating in between progress, mm-hmm. right? It's like no news can be a new uh, it can be news. Hey, mm-hmm. we're working on it. It's we're moving it along. I just want to let you know we're still in the same process, right? You know, rather than ghosting for nine months and you're right. like, well, what happened to that thing? Right. Um, oh, I just had a, a thought and totally broke. Uh, this happens when, you, when we, you, you, we that's we, been me this entire podcast uh, so I'm sorry <laughs> no, not I at all. have so many opinions that I shared with you before we no that's, it's, it's, so, it's so funny when, but I'm like, now my brain just doesn't work that sounds like you catch up for three hours you, yeah. you've had a nine day session um, we've talked a little bit about like compensation and things like that um, that's a lot of what your current role is right is compensation yeah. and things like that um there's been a shift from groups that are like just randomly picking numbers because of things. <laughs> My nightmare. Well, and, and I, I think that what you're doing is, I find it so fascinating because you're taking more of a data, like analytical approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you you said earlier that you're paying for a position, not a person. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk to like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so um, I don't want to speak on behalf of the organization, but... I, um, one of the practices that I like because it keeps, keeps us in check, um, anywhere is, um, knowing what a position pays in the market. Um, so whether your market is with local governments in your region, or if it is, um, you know, similar private companies and competitors, you know, what are you doing? Um, how, how can you best match that? But also understanding that, um, you're paying for a position and not an individual and what they necessarily bring. That can be secondary, but your position, if you're truly you know, basing it in the market, you're looking at what is competitive within that market. Um, and then if somebody has you know, 10 years experience and you know, their references knock it out of the park and um, they have you know, XYZ certifications and they don't just meet the minimum qualifications they're clearly established in their career you know from there where you where do you want to negotiate can we do it is it equitable does it line up with the other employees in that division department um, a certain cross-section of the organization you know those kinds of things I think that that is so I mean pay equity and, and mm-hmm. like the the the, uh, the, the difference in, in like gender pay and things like that mm-hmm. and like that's a whole different conversation but I kind of feel like that's one of the easiest ways to like address yes. that. Yeah. What What is the need based on the job, the role, yeah. the requirements, and what's the expectation on the output of that person in the role? It's a way to reduce bias in a lot of ways when you're first looking at the position. Is this something that 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 a um, 
somebody new to HR, is this something that can be quickly picked up or is this something you've, you've been trained and it's been like pretty much um, like provide, like it's been something you've had to learn. Mm-hmm. I've, d- I've had to learn it. Um, I was lucky enough to have somebody guide me in how this individual um, did that. And I kind of took those processes because this, um, I it, it was older, like, a little bit more archaic of a way of doing things um but the root was there and the fundamental like principles of position not person um and awesome. making sure that there is you know a, a solid structure in place and that kind of thing those were all already fundamentally foundationally in there um so the main meat of it was just kind of okay well how do i want to approach this as long as it's still in line with our philosophy um you know, making sure that I'm not straying too far off the map. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I think, I honestly think anybody can learn it. It's just a matter of, it's very helpful to have somebody help teach that to you. Um, because if you're going blindly, you can't just search it on Google. You really need to know, you know, there's books. Um, but it's not a generalist won't do this. Um, I think it would be hard for them to do it in a capacity that would, change yeah yeah that's exactly it they could do it they could market match easily right but in terms of taking that information and analyzing it and using it to move things forward it might be a little challenging because they just don't have the time available as a generalist does it take a lot of time it does yeah it'll yeah it takes some time in the best way possible it's super fun (laughs) right but but it's it's you're finding an accurate way to price Mm -hmm. a position right and it's you're taking account all the that's i've never heard it put that way you're, 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 you're hiring a position, not a person, mm-hmm. which is so opposite of HR. Right. But it's like, definitely. <laughs> but, but, but no, but I think that's so interesting. Like you're looking for, because obviously you're looking for social fits. You're looking mm-hmm. for cultural fits. Absolutely. But the salary on the paper has nothing to do with any of those things. If you're more culturally integrated, that doesn't mean you make more money. Right. You're, it, it's just good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're integrated. You're yeah. immersed in our culture, but the job you have has this output, which pays this. Right. The position has a certain level of authority. It has a certain level of responsibility. It it ha- it requires a certain you know degree or a certain type, which rarely anything requires a certain type of degree unless it's like engineering. Of course. Um, it requires a certain certification. There are very specific criteria that can help map that information out and kind of determine where it falls. Some things don't. Some things are very hybrid. Um, I know some folks have um, vocalized that in the past when I've mentioned this um, in just daily life. You have a lot of positions that have multiple functions um, because that's just the need. And you've mentioned this in a podcast before of are you using your resources because that's just how it's been passed down or right. are you actually taking it and figuring out how you can better use it within the organization? To... Right, the um, default or design. Right, that one. Right. Um yeah. I feel like that's tried and true in HR. It's mm-hmm. that that question, and that's why I think like people like you do really well because you look at why and how it is designed, and you look for ways to improve it. Mm-hmm. And you need people like that, right? And so the, in in HR, there's a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're part of how you attract and how you onboard and interview people. So you're part of the front end of the employee life cycle. You're involved in in the development, the training, the firing, the ben- mm-hmm. the benefits, the birth comp- to death. <laughs> yeah, you're either cra- yeah. What, what, what's the saying? Cradle to grave. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're involved in the whole thing, and so um, 
when, when right now, I would say most groups are struggling to find qualified employees. Absolutely. And so when you look at that life cycle, any thoughts on like how, how is, if the benefit portion and the compensation is, is, a, is a big reason or is it the inner, the front end where like maybe like, like you mentioned, like we like this person, let's get the decision on the compensation mm-hmm. and then we can give them an offer before they get snatched up. Mm-hmm. Where do you see, where do you see companies uh, dropping the ball there when it comes to like finding good people? Is it- I, hmm, I think it starts in the interview process. Um, you and I touched on this again earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the good stuff was before. All the good stuff. Um, but is it not being trained well? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They might not necessarily understand um, best practices for interviews. But I think that um, employers need to start stepping away from treating the interviewee like they are there to do them a service and like they're they're being tested, um, because really it's an interview for both parties. Um, we've got love it. Yeah, it's just as much an interview for the individual that's being interviewed. You know, they're they should be interviewing them as well. So when they give you that opportunity, which I hope they're giving people that opportunity to ask them questions at the end, like do you have any questions for us? That's full opportunity for for folks to really dive in there and ask about the company culture or about um, you know what what a day is like in the office. You know, that's a pretty standard one. Um, but my my go to is always culture because something that I value. Um, is work-life balance. I want to make sure that um, if something happens that I'm able to take care of my family. Um, I want to know that I'm not going to hate going to work. You know, I'm not ever going to wake up dreading it. Um, I want to know that folks are there to listen um, and to actually, you know, as an, as an HR professional, I want to know that the HR team I'm working with cares about its employees and isn't just there to cover up mistakes. Um, I want transparency, uh, those kinds of things. And the, those are the directions that I'm starting to see more because I feel like um, the new generation that is coming into the workforce now um, also values that. I think it's just kind of a key component to where we are in our lives and, and um, I don't know, probably develop because of our upbringings and um, just a variety of different things. We have, we have more access to information. Yeah. We can see the other side. If you're on Instagram for five minutes, you can see 50 different potential ways of living life. And so I always look at like, like oftentimes blue collar, like if you have somebody that runs their own plumbing or HVAC company, and, but they're also a technician as well, mm-hmm. they have more empathy because they actually do the exact work Absolutely. that they hire people to do. Yeah. But in, in a lot of white collar or gray collar organizations like corporate offices or consulting firms or you know whatever, they don't have the same mm-hmm. level of, maybe, maybe they have the practitionership of knowing how to do the consulting, mm-hmm. but there's a disconnect, mm-hmm. you know? Um, a lot of companies think interview training is nonsense, <laughs> and they like when when you know you ask like so like could you guys do training? And they're like oh yeah like we've done some stuff and they brush it off like it doesn't matter. What are they asking in the interview? How many kids do you have? <laughs> right. You know like what's your what are your hobbies? I don't want to know your hobbies. That's that's a terrible thing. I want to know them after you're hired, but that's not specific to you getting this job. That it's not skill based. So you don't t- you don't show culture in that part of the interview by no. asking them questions like that. I um, so what I would do um, is I would either recommend if I'm not a part of the panel or if I was on the panel, um, I would ask, please uh, explain for us your education and experience, how you feel it benefits you, how you feel it would benefit you in this role, and then uh, why you are drawn to our organization. That's a great um, question. 
Yeah, it's formed a little bit more eloquently, but I'm just no, no, no. That, I, butt, but. I, no, I really like that question. It's so much different than like, so why do you want to work here? Right. It's it, that's why so aggressive. You, <laughs> it is so aggressive. Why do you, you know, in your, why do you want to work here? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, or why are you the best candidate? I, that there's better ways to ask that. You're, you're asking me to be arrogant, right? <laughs> Rather than saying why are you drawn to our organization. I want to take a step back though. One of the things, one of the things you mentioned, and we talked about it, but it was that like there's a shift from a one-way interview to a two-way yes. interview. Organizations that don't adopt that, there will always be casualties that people that don't accept change. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not going to work. Like they're going to lose a lot of talent. But how how do you help an organization understand that, that this is happening? Because a lot of them don't get it yet. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that, that candidate probably has nine offers. Mm-hmm. So, how how, do, how can HR help an organization start to like take that part of the, the evaluation seriously? Mm-hmm. So, um, maybe empower potential employees. Yeah, I really stress training on this. Um, I've been working on developing developing an interview training for supervisors as well as anybody who wants to serve on a panel um, for a while now, and it's um, hopefully gonna come through at some point <laughs> yeah. um but i mean we even just for for supervisors i would like to see it you know in person obviously and, and more broad spectrum I and mean, here's how you develop questions here's why you develop them this way here's the formula you need to be able to form to make a question right. in a way that's going to be both appealing to the candidate understanding that they are being thought of um and also getting you the information that you need um and then on a lower scale, anybody that wants to serve on a panel would need to take it just to know that you can't ask a woman if she's intending on having children or, you know, yeah, just those old school are, questions. That, basic, right. basic, are you married? Right. right. When did you graduate college? Because that, that can be an indication too. People don't know. There's a lot of weird situational analyses that like, there are. you just don't know. So. There's, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. But training, training is where I would um, really hone in on that information. Can better trained employees in interviews sell quality candidates just by being more professional? I definitely think so. Yeah. I definitely think so, yeah. It's, it's so interesting because it's like, we, you touched on, you know, like, we want employees to be heard. If you take on the interview as an opportunity to have a two-way evaluation and you're open about that, like, you know, Indiana, I appreciate you, you know, showing interest in our organization. You know, we've loved everything we've seen. Can you talk to me about what, what drew you to our organization and what you what you think you can accomplish? Like, you start to open up the conversation mm-hmm. like they're an actual person. Right. And so I think if, if I'm hearing you right and, and just to kind of like round out that thought is like... They're not just there to provide a service to you. They're not just there to provide a service to you. Yeah. You're not looking for, okay, are you our IT guy? Are you our software developer? We need consultants. We need finance people. Are right. you our accountant? Right. You're looking at them like, like, hey, Debbie, like, what, what made you come here? Mm-hmm. It, it becomes human. Do we have a shared common set of values? Is it, how does our mission look to you? That's a beautiful yeah. phrase. A common set of values. Now, is that something that that individuals like? Is that like how do you formalize that in a way for you're looking for people that are competent and have a common set of values? Um, how do you how do you establish that when maybe the the same three people are not in every interview? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure, like you're mentioning, the panel the panel changes. Mm-hmm. How do you how do how do you do that? Like, if I'm a CEO, how do I make sure my interviewers or my multi my managers all understand that these are the values we're looking for? Well, ideally, it would start with your organization really 
just pounding those into you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like why why do you work for a company? Why do you stay with a company? Um, something that I think was really cool that I actually learned about at the seminar was stay interviews. So you've got instead of just you know you know, on their, on their way out the door, you give them this, you know, packet of questions and why are you leaving us, blah, 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 can we share this information with the supervisor, yes, no, thanks, bye. Um, you know, we're sorry to see you go, whatever. But stay interviews apparently are a thing that people are using now, which I think is super cool, and it kind of takes them through uh, questions like, what would your ideal day be like? What what make, makes you wake up and come here every day? You know, what do you, what, it reinforces those positives and helps um, kind of not just encourage the the department head or supervisor or organization as a whole, but it really kind of gives a sense of awareness of what folks appreciate and what they like and what they enjoy about the workplace. So you know how to kind of take that information and then build it. Yeah, take it and run with it. That's find, so find more of the good. So know? are you are stay interviews taking place when they've like gone to the end of it, or is it like? third of fourth phase is like hey what, what? Oh, i wasn't clear with that i'm sorry no no, no 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 i'm i'm, I'm asking because i'm i've never heard of that before yeah it's it's just at any point in time during their employment so not um, not during the interview process but that's what i'm thinking for in terms of oh existing inter- hires yeah so, oh that's amazing too so like interviewers um it's a retention strategy yeah 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 so I think I think that's a that's an awesome study because we we talked a little like like you know um, like the recruiting side and and in the interviews, like keeping people's hard, mm-hmm. like especially when like we mentioned it's a two way evaluation. Mm-hmm. Companies are looking at people saying what can you do for us and employees or candidates are like what are you gonna do for me? Yeah, you know and so, but people oftentimes look at employee surveys like. Okay, what are we going to do? Ask them if they like the place or not? Right. They look at it like it's a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, do you like your manager on one to five? Mm-hmm. What does that do? Yeah. And so um, this type of uh, a strategy to drive retention. Finding out what they like. <laughs> you know, about their job, not just, I like that you give me health insurance, you know, but actually, like, these people are good people that I work with. I love the mission, vision, and values of the organization. I, I really feel like I'm in tune with um, how the organization feels about its training and development or its you know taking employee input and valuing it and, and moving forward and, and you can see steady progress or I like that, um, I mean it can honestly be as simple as, I like that if I'm sick I don't have to use sick leave, I can use PTO. Like you know, I have the option, those kinds of things. It just depends on the person. It's just simple. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you can do frequently, or is it like a once a year thing? What do you think? I think you can do it as often as you want. I mean, people obviously you don't want to have burnout from all the paperwork. It shouldn't be a requirement, but if right. you have, it's an easy. If it's know, also technology, like if they can, just, right? Like the yeah. amount of things that are just easy, e- mm-hmm. like yeah. It's, but I do think that anytime you do kind of this kind of uh, interview or evaluation, um, if you're if you're asking for feedback from people, you got to do something with that feedback. So you can't just take it and be like thanks bye you have to actually have a means of reviewing it and analyzing it and figuring out what you're going to do with it and sending out information after it's done saying like you know explaining the next steps if anything's going to be done what the results were that sort of thing i feel like a lot of organization drops the ball on that they yeah. like they ask it because they feel like they have to mm-hmm. but they don't actually care about the response yeah so you have any questions they care for i don't know what to do about it because they don't have the people to really deploy it yeah I just I can think of even like my interviews and stuff like like they just like you know like 
You have any, it, it was so it, it was so clearly we have a minute left of this interview. Do you have any? Oh, by the way, do you have any questions? And you're just like, yeah, I kind of do, but I kind of feel like you're asking me while asking me to leave. Yeah. You know, like it, it's just like that's so rude. But it's just it's not thought as a part of like in my conversations even like the a great conversation is we have some context on the business we overview how we think we can help and then we leave a pretty good amount of the meeting left to have a conversation yeah. we're like we've gotten a, your, where you're at we've shared what we can do to help and maybe we have half the meeting left to say what are your thoughts mm-hmm. and it's a dialogue yeah it's not like okay we're done with you oh yeah by the way indian did you have anything for us <laughs> and you're like why it's kind of like when the waiter comes by and they're like they already have their hand on your plate and they're like are you are you finished and you're like well you're kind of already a step away from the table so you, <laughs> so can, you can just have it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like uh, no you can take that plate if you want but it's the same thing in interviews yeah like give them a chance to be heard yeah and how can you i think the dialogue piece is so important um obviously you don't want to some organizations have unstructured interviews and some of them oh, have some people come in with they, they don't even know what questions they're gonna ask until they're right and that stresses me out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I like structured um and i do believe in asking everybody the same question avoid uh, just avoid any bias run your questions by hr first like you know figure Pro- out right. figure out if there's a better way to ask something to get more information instead of you know like the what are your hobbies or why do you want to work here or what what makes you the best candidate for the position? Those are all kind of aggressive. Right. Um, but I forgot where I was going with that. No, no, no. I, I think you, I think like you said something that resonated for me at least was you can almost, you can, you can address turnover problems with better quality yeah. interview training. Yeah. So oftentimes it's not like, oh, you have terrible managers. It's like you didn't vet them quality. You, you didn't ask the right questions to get more information. Mm-hmm. You're asking one first level questions. Why, why are you, why, why do you want to work here? Uh, I want to work at nonprofits. I believe Wait, in the mission. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's a one-dimensional thing yeah. versus at what point in your life did you feel that the nonprofit sector was something that attracted you? Right. And it opens them up to a conversation. But you also have enough – you need to have time to allow them to answer. Yeah. Where, like, they might not have a soundbite, 30-second little sizzle that they can drop for right. you. You have to – and I, I think – like You almost you, have to coerce out of them. You do. Yeah. And that's why you need training. Yeah. That's why you need training. You have to provide people a set of skills that allow them to ask questions that elicit a genuine response, but also enough substance where you can get below the first level of what you expect them to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interviewers have an intention. They know what they want to hear, but they they might not always necessarily understand a way to ask that in a way that will truly pull that information out of the person. I love it. I think that's so interesting, especially in the t- t- talent market. Like, mm-hmm. it's a two-way evaluation, and at the end of the day, the more time you can spend with somebody in a positive, uplifting conversation, it's going to naturally draw you into that yeah. that relationship. Yeah. And so, rather than intrusively being like, "So, why do you want to work here?" Oh, I hate it so much. You know, like <laughs> every time you say it, oh, it it's it's yeah, it's it's not it's not personable. Mm-hmm. But if you can step back to, hey, listen, like, you know, we're growing, we're excited about the potential, but there is a lot of competition for the role. Mm-hmm. What, what drew you to the organization? Yeah. And we want to make sure this is a good fit for you and us. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. And and when you look at candidates that maybe are afraid to ask those questions, mm-hmm. any thoughts there? I mean, I think a lot of people probably ended and they're like, uh, they don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. So if, I, if I'm talking to a candidate. Yeah, like what kind of questions you can, I, I guess this is the best way to put it. You, when you're when I, if you're in an interview, you can hear certain questions that lose points. Mm-hmm. You can hear po- questions that g- gain points because you're like, oh, they get it. Mm-hmm. 
What kind of questions are you looking for from people to show that they're actually in the interview? Like they care about getting this job. They're not going through the motions. Yeah, let me think. Take a second to take a drink. I so my method has been obviously, as everybody's told, usually, hopefully, um, by <laughs> some mentor or professor or previous supervisor, any anyone it might be, um, parent. Um, Anybody. Yeah, is obviously research the organization. Um, right. And then from there is what I where I develop questions. So I'll, I might see um, in their set of, you know, shared values with the community like what does that look like um what does it mean to them so because it's a surface level overview on a website but if you're truly invested in getting to know that organization and you're truly interested in learning more and and deciding if it's going to be home for you um i think that that piece is important is taking it back to what their goals are as an organization not just um I shouldn't say goals. I should say their their vision as an organization and how they're getting there and what they're doing now. Um, asking about certain initiatives that might be going on, whether it be publicly recognized or not, um, that they've just seen by doing their research and and making sure that they've done that basic research. Um, right. That's that's what I look at. It's 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 as simple as we've been saying this whole time. Actually care. Mm-hmm. Actually come in prepared and care. So rather than both sides, both sides. Yeah. but this also, it, it kind of begs the question again, like your interview training, it can show that because at the end of the day, if they ask a great interview, uh, a candidate question towards the company's interview proctor, mm-hmm. like, Hey, so like culture is really important for me. And I want to find a place that they value development and I can, I can grow. I think we can both understand. I may not be with your company forever. Mm-hmm. But if I'm there, I'm going to deliver and I'm going to work every day to 110%. But I want to know that it's reciprocated. Can you talk to me about your employee like culture and development? And if that employee cannot answer that question, like they actually have an idea, that candidate is going to go. Is gone. Yeah. And so I, I just like round out the, the interview phase, training is so critical because it is you have to understand how to answer questions that sell the candidate, but don't lie to the candidate. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how to ask thought-provoking. They're gonna know you're lying too. They're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> they're, know, like they're not dumb. <laughs> they're, they, right? They're they're gonna know. If every candidate is asked, if every interview, uh, uh, every employee that's doing the interviews is what is it, interviewee, interviewer? Mm-hmm. No, it's interviewer. <laughs> it's like oh, brain's fizzling out. Um, every interview is asking a different set of questions. You have no baseline to compare candidates. You're just judging based on how sexy an answer was at yeah. that point you're just trying to figure out what sounded the best it's like yeah. makeup for your ears like it's just oh that, that that looked better you know like um but i think when it comes down to like if you have a lot of problems with retention look at your onboarding look mm-hmm. at your training look at your your, your oh, absolutely. look at the your, your interviews crucial figure all that out um because you may have like i think i think i wrote an article about it but it was like if interviewers looked at uh, I think I did a podcast too. It was like if interviewers looked at real estate agents for for like 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 basically like mentorship, mm-hmm. and it was like if you have an agent that shows up and they're like kind of late, fumbling around, they're like oh they they swing the door open, they're like all right take a look, have fun. They don't really give you an experience. They just it's whatever. Mm-hmm. 
like it's kind of the same thing if you walk into an interview they don't really they don't like nobody knows you're there for an interview like oh andrew uh yeah let me let me go figure this <laughs> oh out oh my goodness yes and and they're like scattered and then like like sophie jumps in to interview you and clearly is like was clearly told 10 minutes ago that like hey i need you to jump into an interview i got a meeting to go to yeah. and she's like what the hell <laughs> you know like okay and she's like so tell me about yourself and that's how you can oh i feel like you can always tell that and so versus the the real estate agent that meets you at the at the location is like, I'm very excited to show you the property. We have obviously looked at a number of houses, but I really think ultimately based on what I've learned about you and the group, this is something that's gonna be great mm-hmm. for you. Before you walk in, I just I, you, I remember you guys were looking to start a family. I want you to just, do you, could you see this being something that, that from like a, a, a just the front door and this threshold being something that maybe could be the next chapter. They start to paint a picture. Yeah. They open the door, they welcome you in. So I wanna take you to the dining room first, right? You mentioned, Sophie, that you love to cook. Da, da, da. They start to bring information into create an experience mm-hmm. really well-trained interviews provide that experience yes and if you want people to stay and you want young people with an attention span of a mouse to like actually be there for the full interview you, you have to um you have to care and so what, what, a couple of things and then we'll, we'll start to kind of wrap up um since it is getting late <laughs> we can go for a while um I saw a, a, an infographic, a, like a, like, I think it was email on like Instagram or something, and it was like, um, it was just like the an infinity loop, and like it was like Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was like the uphill part, and then it grounded back down on the weekend, and it was talking about work life, yeah. and for me the thing that I immediately thought was whose fault is that? Is it the employee's approach, or is it the employee? Is it the empl- Is it the employer's infrastructure? Good question. And. You're one of the few people I know I can just like honestly talk about this with. And like, I don't like, I, I really, oh, wow. I think it's on both. Like, I think yeah. if your employees are coming to work with the wrong attitude and they're saying, oh, I can't wait to get to the weekend, I think that's on them. Yeah. But I do kind of think the employer has some responsibility there. Mm-hmm. And so. I think Fridays are some of the most productive days. Really? Yeah, that's I awesome. really do. Um, I don't know if that's just me, but I, I feel like I'm always buzzing around on Fridays. Do you come in Friday knowing it's going to be productive? Yeah. See. Right yeah. there. And it's like the opposite of me for Mondays. I'm just like, <laughs> like I can't do this. You just get ready. <laughs> yeah, but no, I always, I, when I, anywhere, I I love what I do, um, especially, you know, the, the like ins and outs, you know, and the thinking about things and, and yeah. you know, having a hand in making sure that people are taken care of and knowing that they have an advocate um, and also knowing that we're there to help their supervisors too it's just from start to finish and Try. every day I come in and I, I love it um, I think most, some things that people that aren't in HR don't realize is that your HR office is not against you um, if you think they are you might want to have a conversation with them just get you know not necessarily get to know them um, but a lot of them might feel burnt out or maybe a little uh, jaded from past experiences with people mm-hmm. and we get defensive and um, just because of experience, but they got into it because they care about you. It's definitely not for a paycheck. Um, it's because they care about um, whether it be the nerdy legal side of compliance or it be um, actually making sure that people feel valued because people run an organization. I love it. I love it. I love it. And 
HR isn't against you. No. They, they want to help. They, every, everything you ask, they want to be able to say yes to. Yeah, we would love to. I don't want to tell somebody that they're not worth something. And that's never what we're saying. Um, what we're saying is the market is the market says says XYZ, the budget says XYZ. Right. Um, you're great. Like as an individual, you're awesome. If I could cut you a check, I would. Yeah. I never want it's like they assume that HR folks just want to pass people a box of tissues all the time. Right. And that's not the case. No. Right. Especially with those, those those HR professionals, that that's what they've been treated like for the last eight years, yeah. and now they're in an ecosystem where HR is strategic. Yes, and it's so, fun, <laughs> right? And now and now it's fun, and yeah. um, it's challenging when you don't have the right ownership that supports mm-hmm. strategic HR, and mm-hmm. they 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 themselves look at HR like it's you know. Yeah. But that mentality can be changed too okay. over time. Absolutely, over time. Absolutely, and patience, <laughs> patience, and listening mm-hmm. on both sides. But yeah, um, and HR needs to understand that. Others have been burned by our office. <laughs> you know, there's a reason that people feel that way about HR. It's because it doesn't have a good reputation, but reputations happen for a reason. So. Uh, loud and clear. Yeah. It's so interesting. But we'll see how things evolve. And I, I hope we can do this again. I know, I know you're, like, in, not, not in the D.C. area as frequently. Yeah. Um, a couple months. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, like, jump on and just keep going. I feel like we can just, there's so much to talk about from, like, I mean, we, we barely scratched the surface on benefits and compensation, which is, like, we're, right now, you're spending a lot of your time. Yeah. Um, but, but a couple, just to kind of tie, I mean, I, for the people listening, I've been taking notes, because, like, even I live in this world, and, like, like, every, like even from, like, the interview, as, as you look to, if, you, if, I'll break some things down as we kind of recap, like, if you're interviewing for a role, expect behavioral interview questions like expect them to ask you questions that show and provide you the means to prove you can address the problems they expect to come with the role Mm -hmm. if they expect you to be very busy and have a lot of tasks and responsibilities be prepared to explain to them a situation where you had a lot of task responsibilities like the tasks themselves explain what action you took and then how that resulted in success or whatever it gives the full picture and so for you going into interviews and thinking like i'll just wing it there are ways that candidates are answering questions better than you because they're thinking things out for the full story mm-hmm. and so little things like that um Ooh, one fun thing that i just remembered yes um the what i explain to friends who get super nervous about interviews and not only do i tell them oh, it's an great. interview for them too um, you know, you have to make sure that they are a fit to you. Um, that's my number one. And then my number two is they worry about them asking, you know, what is a hardship that you've had to overcome in the workplace, which I would rephrase that question. It's not a good question. No, it's not good at all. But basically they want to know how you've taken a problem and, and, and addressed it. Um, I try and work backwards from that problem. So I will take a difficult situation that really challenged me in a particular environment um, whether it be a project or um, you know a relationship management that kind of thing and take what I learned from it and use that learning lesson not explaining the full extent of the situation because that's not what the question is asking um, but explaining how that organization benefited me in my learning experience and growing from that because they don't want to hear you bash another employer because um, that's a red flag. They're just gonna be like, okay, well, if that's how you're talking about people, I don't want to hire you. 
That's um, a great point. But yeah, so working, like taking um, some kind of sour experience and working backwards from it and figuring out how you learn from it and grew from it. That's my, that's like my star method. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think it's a great point. It's just truly listen to what they're actually asking. Yeah. They're not asking about some time you dealt with crap. Right. They're asking, things happen. How did you handle a situation and what was the outcome of it? Mm-hmm. They just want to know you, you're a human and you can recognize challenges and overcome right. them. Right. And that you're not perfect and that's okay. And you don't always have the answer and that's perfectly fine. I feel like we can go on a rant for that. But, but that's also another thing. Like, be human in interviews. Yes. Um, don't be so rigid. <laughs> don't be so rigid. It, it comes off as, as yeah. formulaic. Yeah. Um, ha- have an understanding of what they're going to ask. You're not going to know the exact questions, but you can look at the job if you actually care enough. Research the company, research the role, and assume certain challenges. Like, have an understanding of how to answer those questions. You should know also so you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Know what the position does. Read the description. If they don't have it posted online, ask for it ahead of time. Right. Like, you could, like this would be something I doubt anybody does. You can call them and say, hey, I'm coming in for an interview. I don't see much information. Well, is there any of it, any context I can have yeah. before coming in? I want to make sure I'm prepared. As a candidate, call HR anytime. You don't need to be an employee to call us for those kinds of resources. That's it. That's cool. Yeah. Just see me call a front desk and have it's the salesman. <laughs> like, yeah, because you might not want the supervisor to know that, you know, you're looking for something. The hiring manager, you, you might not want them involved in it because... But if you don't feel like there's enough information, yeah. call and ask. I'm, yeah. If you're not confident, if you think that that's going to give you, like, you know, marks off already, like, oh, he's asking for information he doesn't already know. It's the wrong know. company. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I, I just... That's a great... That's, a, that's such an awesome tip, though. Well, so if you're going into interviews or, or like, you know, you're looking to better understand, call them. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Like, they, like HR wants great people that want to work yeah. there. If you're 100%. calling to ask and say, I'm coming in to meet for an interview on Thursday, it's Tuesday. I feel like I'm just, I'm only scratching the surface online. Is there anything you can send me that shows me a little more of the, the company and the culture? Yeah. And yeah. it just shows you care and kind of bleeds into the second point, which is it is, a, it is, it is 2019 and the interview process is no longer, okay, candidate A, what can you do for me? It has changed. The world has evolved. It is a two-way evaluation. Unemployment in, in the DC metro area is under 3%, what is known as full employment. You're only hiring people that leave a current job. So your interview has to change. They have alternatives. Your people have alternatives. So if you're in HR operations, uh, in any level of interviewing, if you're a manager, mid-level, whatever it is, you have to understand that that matters mm-hmm. because in nine years when there's an economic collapse oh, I don't want another. knock on wood <laughs> but when, when the evolution of our, our workforce changes or automation cuts off 10% of our whatever it is that's a different story because now there's more uh, people than there are jobs yeah. well now it is a, a, a it is an employer's market mm-hmm. it's no longer an employer's market so the company needs to acknowledge that HR needs to acknowledge that and um there's so much that we can dive into. I hope we can do it another time. Um, I promise that my brain better together <laughs> next time. Hey, you start earlier. <laughs> we we need we need more uh, we need more HR professionals that are that are doing what you're 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 going you're you're preparing you're using the resources you have you're using SHRM you're taking courses you're taking next level exams you're training you're you know like and I think that's a big thing is you care mm-hmm. and when you have HR professionals that care about people innately that's that's how they're wired and. They care about being good at their craft. I think you can have a, a powerful HR department. No, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and just because one department isn't that way at the time of, 
you know, their development. Like if you're a new company and you're just, you know, somebody becomes HR by default and they learn it on the job, that's great. Um, they're with a team, you know, if they're being provided with those training opportunities to be involved with other HR people and learn from them, um, that's awesome too because they're new, but they have that support system. Um, and that's, that's a way to start with developing your HR office and an HR mindset that's not just um, the bare minimum functioning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody kind of needs to own a little bit of HR. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person absolutely. in the company, you, you have some responsibilities yeah. to be a mentor, to be a partner, to be a leader, to, to be involved past your pay scale. And I think that's culture, that's values, that's that starts from the, the owner mm-hmm. and bleeds all the way down. But um, just some of the sound bites as we kind of wrap up, employee train, interview training is critical, whether it's addressing turnover or establishing your values and your mission up front. Um, it's incredibly important that you don't look at interviews as just an obligation and you look at it as an opportunity. You're going to spend millions of dollars on marketing your company, but you're not going to invest a couple thousand dollars in training your people. There's nothing more damaging to a company's brand than wasting a candidate's time. Gross. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to spend money on marketing and branding and Facebook and social media and banner ads and all that nonsense and use a PR firm and you're going to waste candidates time, I promise you, I think I read a study, negative news travel eight and a half times as fast oh, and yeah. as wide as positive news. Word of mouth is also everything. So <laughs> somebody so, had a bad experience. So, so train your people. There has to be a shift in, in understanding the interview process. Um, specifically to HR people, executive finance professionals, an easy, easy way to address gender bias and pay bias. Pay for the role, not the person. Mm-hmm. And then once they're involved in the conversation from their employee, then all the hobbies and the aesthetics of the interaction can be amazingly colorful. Yeah. But when you're pricing things out, be analytical, hire a role, use data, and understand the, the market you're playing in because you might love them and want to overpay them to be competitive, but it needs to be because the role is being compensated heavily, not because the man or woman is being compensated heavily. Avoid liability. Avoid liability, especially in, in the current state of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and HR, I think the rounding out point is, is there's a shift in HR's brand. A- HR is not against the rest of the organization. HR is looking at the rest of the organization saying, how can we make you happier, that work better, company more profitable, and this whole thing of bigger family. So we all like coming to work every day. Yeah. Um, and so kind of on that, like any, any, anything you want to kind of leave any last thoughts? It's been a long day, um, <laughs> but any, any last thoughts, anything, anything that excites you about where, where HR generally is going, I guess we'll leave it, leave it on a positive. Yeah. I used to be so concerned that I chose the wrong career path because of, um, not feeling like HR was a valuable, um, seen as valuable in the organization and then I realized there's this whole world of you know SHRM like some I guess I think I joined um, the membership not the certification yet but the membership a couple years ago um, and realized that there's this whole world of development and change and that it's becoming so much more prevalent so that is a significant encouragement um, even non-HR people, I would encourage them to, to just research it, um, kind of get a better understanding of uh, where that department um, really does have a seat at the table, or at least should, so in those larger conversations. It's information. Mm-hmm. Understand the team, understand what's going on, um, 
Indiana, thank you for hanging out. Thank it's, you, too. It was, it was, um, it's long overdue, but I'm, I'm super excited we were able to catch up. Everybody listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, stay tuned for the next one.